Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't figure there can be any better words that we'll ever hear, huh? Amen. Once the battles are all finished and all the difficulties of life, welcome home. God bless you. Well, until we get home, we'll welcome you here today. The presence of the Lord and fellowship of God's people together. It's a wonderful hour to be a Christian. It's a very difficult time, trying times, so much sickness, so much evil that's going on in the world, but we know it's during those times of junction whenever the presence of God always chooses to manifest Himself. We believe we're living in that time. Let's turn today, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. I greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus, our wonderful Redeemer. Let's read together uh, verse 15 through 17 today. That's what we was looking at last night for those of you that were streaming the service. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament or New Covenant that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament. Now, let me just reiterate it again today that when the Lord Jesus died on Calvary that day, he did not just die for the future church ages the Gentiles and the 144,000. But it was also taking care of what the law could never take care of. So a man killed a man, a man committed adultery, done all kinds of evil. He would offer an innocent life of a, a lamb, a bullock, turtle dove, or a pigeon, whatever it was. But all that was was just to paint over the top of the sin. And it never placed the individual back on the other side of the chasm where Adam had brought us from. But it was pointing to a day when that day would happen. So the Lord Jesus was able to complete that. That were under the first testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. So as we said again last night, not to repeat myself, but in case you didn't stream the service, that it proves that the one who gave the law or gave the testament or the covenant could have had to have died himself or the testament is still not effect today. If the Lord Jesus in God form never gave the New Testament, we are lost. Because it had to be the deaths of the testator. It could not be a son of the testate, or a cousin, a lawyer, a go-between. It had to be him who gave the testament. So it was him in human form. Isn't that wonderful? For a testament is a force after men, not God. Because God can't die. So a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all, while the testator liveth. How many would like to be remembered today as we go before the Lord in prayer? We've already heard so many, many requests, but we know that our God is mindful. Heavenly Father, we are grateful today indeed for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, that you've given us once again, that we could assemble ourselves together here this side of eternity. We love church. We love going to church. We love singing, worshiping. 
We love praying. We love hearing testimonies. We love seeing one another. And most of all, we love you. This is a place that is set aside for you. We know people who like to drink. They go to places where that they do that sort of thing. People who shoot dope in their arms and they go to places where they do that sort of thing. Well, we love going where you are. We love assembling together with your people. So this is a building. These two befores, two by sixes, concrete block walls, all this could have made all types of buildings. But when we built it years ago, we built it and dedicated it for a place where we could meet with you. Lord Jesus, it is such an occasion today that we have gathered together. We're asking you, Almighty God, we've already sensed your great presence here already. And we are honored that you would visit us today. But we pray that you would help us, that you'd minister to us. Lord God, you see the needs of your people. And we know, Father, that though they are many, our God's power is greater than all of our needs put together. So we pray that you'd be mindful of those that are sick. God, those that are maybe depressed or sad today or weary, whatever they're going through, may you minister to them. Help me, Father, that I can be able to get, get out of the way, that I can render my human instrumentality, that you can take that portion of yourself that you placed in me called a gift. Anoint that gift. May the people pull on that gift. Lord, where I can speak words that will help them and encourage them. Shut my mouth to anything, Lord, that would be dishonorable to you or not bring benefit and credit to the body. Speak to us today, Lord. And we will in turn and give you the credit and the praise for it's all due to you. If there's anything of eternal value that'll come out of the service today, we know it'll have to be you that does it. We poor mortals, how could we ever give anything of eternity to one another? Speak to us today, Father, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. So appreciate the opportunity for us to be able to gather today and once again in the house of the Lord. Let us turn, if you can, to again the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. This is a phenomenal uh, concept that God gave to Paul of the merging of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant in with the New. Imagine that as he was out in Arabia there in the desert and after he had met the Lord Jesus in the form of the pillar of fire, it must have been one explosive revelation after another. After this man had really become converted and born again and his own soul had crossed the chasm back over into the realm of eternity, and he began to reminisce of all that his forefathers had taught him. And thinking of all the things that he had read and the sacrifices and what the Torah had set forth. All the shadows and the types that he had kept since a little boy. No doubt all the feasts took on totally new views. The sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb and the Day of the Atonement the Yom Kippur, all the festivals and things which they had done. It must have been totally overwhelming to these believers' hearts, especially this man here, since he was a, a prophet and a church age messenger. So he was given a cup 
a cup of revelation by which the measure given to him was greater than any other in that age. And all you got to do is read a little bit of his writings and see that he had an insight that Peter simply did not have. James was a wonderful man. James, of course, you know, wrote about faith and works. And, and James was, you know, he was, he was a great brother in his capacity. But he could not anywhere touch what God had revealed to Paul. And the same was Peter. Peter had wonderful things to say and great faith in the operation, the ministration to the body. But he could nowise touch the revelation that God had given to Paul. And this is why we today see the exact same pattern that God has given to Brother Branham. We've got great pastors, we've got great evangelists and great teachers in the ranks of the message, but there'll never be another one who will ever rise to the place in God as did the prophet messenger of this age. It makes no difference how much people try to fault him and flaw him and pick this and that and the other. We go right over the top of all that and just keep on eating butter beans. Because all it is is a scarecrow and chatter, chatter, chatter. But my little jaws this morning are so full that I'd like to share a few butter beans with you if you all come hungry. So, you know, if you really believe it and you've got a revelation in your heart, it doesn't really make any difference what people say because your soul has so attached to this word, they'll never, ever break you away from it. Now, I feel sorry for those who can be detached because it shows that they were not of us because if they were of us, they would not run out from us in the beginning. But it must have been the same way in, in, this, in this age whenever Paul began to write and the believers of the day, can you imagine, as they would wait with great anticipation, as they would get the letter maybe from Philippi or the letter from Corinth or the letter, the little small letter of Philemon and the, the small letter uh, that would come back and forth from the believers of 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and all the great things. It must have burned inside of their heart. But now, of course, the church several years have passed when the book of Hebrews is written, and the revelation is continuing to unfold to this man, and God allows him to break into realms of the prophetic understanding that the other apostles never reached. And even in his own ministry, it had come to this sign of maturity. So God allowed him to break into the law and to the paschal sacrifice, and the Old Testament of the things that they kept for thousands of years and no doubt wondered in their mind, why do we wear blue? Why do we wear scarlet? Why are, are the priests not supposed to step up any place in the tabernacle, but they are to wear linen breeches? Why are the priests never to part their legs and let the nakedness of their legs show as they would come up and ascend up into the steps? What difference does that make? Why is there a menorah on the right-hand side, the seven-branch candlestick? Why is there a table setting there with the loaves of shoe bread, which is called the bread of his face, poneum? Why is this supposed to be the 
the bread of his face. Why is there frankincense? Why, 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 why? And they worshiped without understanding most of those whys. So they just simply did it because God told them. They didn't really understand it. And probably many of the priests, maybe they'd go to their home and their wives and their children. Daddy, did you do so-and-so today? Yes, I did. Daddy, why do we do that? Well, son, I don't know. All I know is Adonai Elohim told us to do it. I really don't understand. But daddy, you're the high priest. You've been doing this for years. I have. I've been doing this for decades, but I simply do not understand why. Daddy, what is that riband of blue on the bottom of your garment? Daddy, why is the pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and the bell on the bottom of your robe? I, I, I can't say, son. I'm not really sure. What is the frankincense? What? I, I don't know. Now, you imagine once these Jews, which had done this for all of their life, and they begin to read in the book of Hebrews, and for the first time, they understand why they did all of these things. Now, to us, it's past tense. So we never had a history of doing all of these things. So remember, we're looking back in retrospect, and we're looking back into a time when this man is taking all the types and the shadows of the law and pointing it to our present time. Because remember, this has not yet expired, but is still ongoing to this day. Let us look now in chapter 10, verse 1. And remember, we're looking at the value and the importance of the church, the bride, coming into her position. And it was through the act of the kenosis of the Lamb and him being the firstborn by the word that he had to take upon himself the mediatorial work of God. Not another being, not another person, but the same person in a form of condescension. What's this now in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1? For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. So now look, they were, they were looking backwards into things that they saw. So the tabernacle was to be made with three realms, the outer court, the inner court, and the holiest of holies. Well, that was an image, but it was not the very image of things that were to come. So it was a symbol. It was a metaphor. It was something that represented it, but it did not bear the right full image. It could not because it was given under the law. But here Paul says that the law having a shadow. So I take my hand, I place it upon this pulpit today by this light shining over this way. Y'all can't see it, but I can. Here is the image of my head and my hand and my arm. But by looking at that shadow, you're not sure if I'm a white man, if I'm a black man, if I'm a Native American, if I'm from Pakistan, you really don't know. You're able to see by the shadow on there, but you don't know if my shirt is blue, my shirt is white, my shirt is purple, my shirt is pink. Why? Because the shadow cannot give the exact replica. It's only a foreshadow showing something that is going to come. And that's exactly what the law did. Now he said not the very image of those things and can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the thereunto perfect or 
telios, which is that they are complete in a place of sinlessness with God. So they had to offer the same sacrifice over and over and over again, year after year, and it finally becomes such a ritual and a routine that they lost all sincerity, all feeling with it. Well, they just went to church, they offered the lamb, you know, they clapped their hands, that's the way folks, many of them do today. And it was no more than just something that they did their religion. But notice in verse two, for then would they have not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers once purged. The worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. Now this is where the sin problem actually lay. In the conscience or the being that is the spiritual aspect of man, the ability to judge right and wrong, to know right and wrong, to be able to make that decision based upon either doctrine or by knowledge, and in knowledge it's on the inside of you. Notice, and Paul uses this word here, kesirio, which is for the word purge, and it means to cleanse of filth impurity, metaphorically from guilt or to expiate. Now remember the law could never expiate a man's sin. The man would repent, ask God to forgive him, but the sin was still as it was stored up because the bleach of, a, of the blood of the Lamb of God had not been shed in order to totally annihilate those believers' sins. It simply painted over the spot. So it covered it, but it could not expiate, which is to abolish, disintegrate, annihilate, totally do away with. And that only could come by the blood of God being created and living inside of a human being. So the worshiper once purged would actually have no more conscience of sin. Look at verse three. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. So whenever you would come up, then you would write down your sins, write down your sins, write down your sins. Then on the day of atonement, the high priest would go through the ritual that God gave him on the day of atonement, and then they would come back again next year. They didn't come back next week or on Monday. They'd come back, Lord, forgive me, I've done wrong again. I'm sorry. But they would come back. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having to wait a year? That if you would repent today and say, God, I'm sorry I've done this wrong, I've done that wrong, and then tomorrow you do something wrong, and next week you do something wrong, and you cannot have a place to where you can go, you have to wait for another full year. Now for the real believers, this must have been such a weight on their conscience that they were counting down the days until the day of atonement arrived. Now, for those that were just Israelites and they was not sincere, they probably didn't care anyway. But for a real genuine believer, why would Paul mention, Brother Jim, the conscience? 
Why would he mention the conscience? Now, can any of you fathom in your mind bearing the load of a sin for a week or a month or for six months or something that you have done wrong and you cannot make it right and it's getting heavier and heavier and weighing and weighing on you until you feel like you're about to lose your mind? I'm sure glad I don't have to wait that long. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. I love the way Brother Branham deals with this as far as the conscience. He says, as you believe, you're talking about staggering. As you believe, you become love. I don't mind telling you, I've got a problem with message folks that the closer they get to the message, the more they hate. That don't make no sense to me. And the more, the deeper they get, and the more I'm revelated, so-called they get, the more they want to cut off everybody that disagrees with them. There's something wrong with that, brother. The more you believe, listen to this, you become, so you don't just love but you actually become love. Because the more you believe, what is it you're believing? It's your faith. And the more you're believing, the more in contact and the more like the image of God you are becoming. And God is not hate, but God is love. So the more you believe and the more you get yourself out of the way, then the more actually you become love. Oh God, let me become more love. And love is God. And you begin to wind yourself. It's into Christ and these other things. You don't have to quit doing them. They just quit themselves. There's just no desire to do it. The worshiper having purged has no more conscience of sin. And he says, Hebrews 9, see the worshiper once purged. See what I mean? When the worshiper is purged is when he is born again. Now you see, it's not when you start on your journey and you get saved, justified by faith, or you even move to the second work of grace, which is sanctification, but it's actually the third work of grace when the soul has become birthed by the breath of God. It's when that gene of God inside of you is able to be born again, and then you and it merge into the same unity. You were a part of that old marriage as we read last night and you were deceived into it by your adulterous parent Eve. But yet the gene of God laid down inside of you waiting for the birth moment by which you would be able to be quickened. And then you would recognize that that was you all along. Now that is actually when your conscience is purged from sin. Well, praise the Lord. Notice this. He says when the worshiper is purged, it's when he is born again. Now remember Peter had healed the sick. He had done all kinds of great miracles and the phenomenal supernatural. And yet the Lord Jesus tells Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your brother. You imagine him slapping him in the face of that. You're preaching. You're out here doing this and that and the other. Boy, you ain't even got converted yet. Well, hallelujah. That's exactly the problem a lot of our message folks do. They've been sitting in the message for years, listening to tapes and reading books, and they ain't got converted yet. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. 
Notice when the worshiper is purged is when he's born again. When his old nature dies and a new nature sets in. Then he becomes a part of God, a son of God. He gets new life. And the life, the Greek word there is Zoe. Notice it's not your life just energized by God. Oh, oh, I feel it. Hallelujah. Glory. No, it's not your life at all. It is Zoe, his life, which means a life of God, and you become an offspring of God. Listen to this. Listen, devil. And God can't hurt you without hurting himself. Praise be to God. Keep that before you when you're going through difficult times and it seems like God is hurting you. Oh no, he can't hurt you to your demise without hurting himself. So anything he's allowing you to go through, it will be for your good when it's all said and done. Watch, notice this, the law having a shadow. He said the worshiper once purged had no more conscience or the right interpretation of that has no more desire of sin. For the worshiper once purged has no more desire or conscience of sin. He doesn't even want to sin. Now listen what a balance. I love the way he balances this out. He doesn't even want to sin. He will do things wrong. How many of y'all still need to ask the Lord to forgive you? Well, we're happy for all y'all angels that are here with us today. God bless you all. Oh, my. But notice the key is the worshiper has no more desire to do wrong, but he will do things wrong. But this is the real believer. As soon, amen, as he does it, he will confess his sins right there and say, God, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. You know it, Father. God never sees it. Brother Donnie, wait a minute. That don't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense that I, 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 I don't want to sin, but yet I will do things that's wrong. Well, the Bible says, Brother Donnie, that he that is born of God does not commit sin. That's right. He that's born of God cannot commit sin. But your body ain't born of God yet. So here you are in a prison and on the inside this changed nature of yours. And friends, this is the thing. If we would live in that place of unity that God wants us to be, then a lot of our shortcomings would absolutely be eliminated. It's not that God wants us to do it. It's us getting out of fellowship with God and getting under stress and getting overworked and getting my, and the age that we live in, it ain't no wonder that there's so much stress going on. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. If he cannot stop the men of God from preaching the truth, he will try to make your world so busy and your world so consumed with so much stuff that's going on, so much sickness and covid and COVID that. Well, am I going to have to wear a mask or am I going to have to do that? Lord have mercy. Let's not get all sidetracked on to mask or not to mask. 
And let's not get all sidetracked on is this real or not real. Let's focus on what's at hand, the rapture. And God is giving us his word to get us ready for that hour. This is why Satan's doing everything that he's doing. It's to get our attention away from what God is saying and doing in this hour. And I want to let him know, no matter what he does, what he says, how much he's allowed to bring about, he will not stop the bride from being ready for the body change. Wow, so the worshiper once purged, the desire of sin from his soul is actually gone. And he will never, if he lives to be a thousand years old, never have another desire from his nature to sin but he'll deal with this stinking low down rotten sorry unconverted prison house every day of his or her life you sisters thought I was going to leave you out no darlings I love y'all too much to leave you out I'm going to whoop you too but yet whenever we do What do we do? The true sign that you are born again is that you repent. And you know, well, my wife made me do it. Well, you know, I got hooked on pornography and it's my wife's fault. Well, it's Brother Donnie's fault. Go ahead and blame me. Everybody else does. You might as well. Well, you know what? If it hadn't been for COVID, I wouldn't have backslid if it hadn't been. If it hadn't been COVID, it'd been something else got you. Let's just face the facts. People ain't where they need to be. Hallelujah, but if you are truly born again and you do something wrong, something will strike your heart and it's not something from heaven. It's not Gabriel, it's not an archangel, it's something from the throne room in your own heart. Aren't you glad you don't have to wait till next Wednesday night? Oh, y'all don't get to come back Wednesday night, do you? Y'all come back next Saturday night, okay. So aren't you glad you don't have to wait till next Saturday night if you mess up this evening and do something wrong and you have to wait till I preach or whoever's gonna preach and they make an altar call and you come up? No, you can bow your head right there. Right there where you are, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Ah, Brother Charlie Cox told me about the time whenever he got converted, whenever the Lord started working on his conversion toward the new birth. Actually, Sister Nellie had given her heart to the Lord there at the Methodist campground, whenever Brother Branham was there, when he preaches about the woman, you know, coming washing Jesus' feet with her tears. And my Sister Nellie gave her heart to the Lord. And Brother Charlie didn't, didn't move yet at that time. But something started dealing with him and dealing with him. And he, he was working and he worked night shift. And, and something come where he was and something began to move on his heart and he began to, Lord please Lord please I'm sorry, please forgive me Lord. Well sometime later after that he went up to the tabernacle in Jeffersonville and he went up there and he went up you know made the traditional uh, approach to the altar and this and that and the other yet he talked to Brother Random sometime later and Brother Random told him he said Brother Charlie it struck you when you was right there working that's when it happened glory to God so when you do wrong well let me call brother Donnie well you know what you may not be able to reach me well let me call brother Dell. he's sick leave him alone well maybe I can call one of the deacons they're sick of you they don't want to hear you no more you know well maybe I could go you better call on Jesus 
I said you better call on Jesus and you don't have to wait till next time you're allowed to come to church or the next time your number is called but you can bow your head right there Lord God I'm sorry forgive me Lord and almighty God doesn't even see it praise the Lord Jesus God forgive me I didn't mean to do that you know it father God never sees it but he has an advocate he has a confession and he makes it but the man who goes ahead and sins and says well I belong to a church don't make no difference shows it right in him proves that he hasn't got what he says he's got well praise the Lord no sir you can't draw bitter and sweet water from the same fountain and the church said now remember we're talking about the soul that has actually been clear so every debt that was against the soul whether your grandmother done it or your father done it whoever was once the title has been searched and you have got a clear title all the way back and there's nothing, no charge that can be brought against you. This is the way it is cleared by the new birth. And I read this last time, I'm gonna read it again today because it was so good and I just knew the devil didn't like it. So I'm gonna read it again in God in simplicity. But when he crossed, he separated his sonship, talking about Adam. He's a sinner by nature. Friend, that's the problem of man today. We can try to educate him. Man is not a sinner by education. Man is not a sinner by science. Man is not a sinner by reasoning. Man is a sinner by nature. And the religion will not eliminate that nature. Reading your Bible will not eliminate that nature. You gotta be born again. The nature must be killed. It cannot be able just to lay it aside. It must be killed. Notice he's under the hands and dominion of Satan and God took a sacrifice, a chemical of the blood, but the blood of bulls and goats did not divorce sin. It only covered sin. If I've got a red spot on my hand and I cover it with white, the red spot is still there. I've got these places on my hand called age spots. I don't know what, well, I'm doing with age spots as young as I am. Come on, y'all need a little laugh. So I take this white handkerchief and I put them on my hand. Guess what? Even I don't see them, but I know they're still there. I know they're still there. Now you sisters can try lemon juice and lime juice and grapefruit juice mixed up with a little bit of coke. You might as well face the facts as you're getting old. We're all waiting for the body change. But God didn't want something that was just covered. Okay, I don't see it no more. God wanted something that would remove the paint and go all the way back to the pigmentation of the color. Now what caused these spots in my hands and on my face in different places? As you older folks are getting them as well. It's something about the age inside of our body and the pigmentation of our skin. This is why the prophet mentions it this way about the coloring of sin. What was it? The pigment of unbelief. Man was not made to have age spots. We weren't made to have wrinkles. We weren't made to have gray hair or no hair, whichever it is that you're plagued with. We were not made to walk crippled. You seen Brother Louis a while ago walking around. God never made man to walk that way. Listen to me, saints. But God made us to live forever. 
So God has to somehow get to the pigmentation of sin that has plagued our lives. Notice, but God sent down from heaven a bleach. Thank God for sin. The blood of his own son that when our confessed sin drops into God's bleach, try to find it again. The coloring, the pigmentation, the coloring of sin goes back through the mediators and down through time. I love this. Until it hits the accuser, Satan, and lays on him till the day of the judgment. All your drinking, all your lying, all your running around, all your dishonesty, everything that you've done, everything that you have ever done since you got big enough to start sinning, once that is confessed and the bleach of the blood of the Lord Jesus takes the pigmentation away from you, it does not dissolve the sin. The sin must be separated from you and then go to the very man who caused it. Who calls you to drink? The devil. Who calls you to lie? The devil. Well, I think it's just fair that he's the one who has to bear the penalty of my sin. God release me from the pigmentation of it and changes my soul and will give me a new body after a while and he puts all that I do and releases me from that pigmentation of sin and goes right back and said, here devil, here's Dale's sins. Here's Donnie's sins. Here's every one of my sons and daughter because you're the one to fall. You're the one to blame. You're the one that talked them into it. Praise be to God. What happens to the son? He becomes in perfect fellowship with the father again. I wish God would help us here today that we could see that this is not in the millennium, but we have already entered into the fellowship with Jesus Christ. We have been called to be saints. We've been called to be in the light, but we've called to the fellowship of His Son. Do you understand when we come to church like this, we're not just here fellowshipping with one another. We're fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus. Notice in that Son of God, the prophet said, what happens to the son? He becomes in perfect fellowship with the father again, standing on the other side of the chasm with no remembrance of sin against him. Now, our minds cannot do that. No doubt some of you today, whenever a preacher goes to preaching on sin, you still remember things that you've done. And it haunts your memory. And you wish you could get rid of it. Well, you will one day. But what's really more important than you getting rid of it is God getting rid of it. 
You see, I might remember myself as doing this wrong or that wrong. I might remember you coming to me. Oh, Brother Donnie, I've sinned. I've done this. I've done that. The other. You know, I probably will remember that. Now, because I'm a human, I'm a mortal. And you will remember it. But the great thing about it is this great eternal, which has never forgot one promise. He's never forgot one law. I wonder how many billions of laws that there are in the universe. How many millions of laws in biology and in plant life and all the things that make the world operate every day that we know absolutely nothing about. And it's laws that he set in order back in the very beginning when he created the earth. And he's never to this day forgot one of those laws. But he has the ability to forget the sins of a believer to such a degree that the believer as far as he is concerned is on the other side of that chasm and the only thing he sees you as his son or his daughter in perfect fellowship under the shed blood of the Lord Jesus he never remembers you ever existing as a sinner (laughs) praise God no remembrance of sin against him no more there's no more stain of bleach can be seen anywhere he's free hallelujah just as that Clorox or that ink can never be ink no more I love the proportions that he used when he defined this so he says you take a drop of ink and drop it into a tub of bleach. That's my God. It ain't drop for drop. <laughs> Amen. It ain't Gatorade size bottle of sins and Gatorade size bottle of the bleach. It would still be enough. But God, God redeems to the extreme. God saves to the extreme. God heals. Oh, glory to God. I feel it all over me now. God does miracles to the extreme. When man gives people up and says they'll never live, they'll never do this. And God said, now it's my time to move on the sea. Drop your sickness in the tub of my healing. Drop your sin in the tub of my bleach. Drop your troubles in the tub of my deliverance. And you can walk out of here today free. So what happens to the ink? And it begins to break down the chemistry. And it loses its color. It totally disappears. Listen to this. And when confessed sin is confessed and been dipped. A man or woman, glory to God, a man or woman that's been dipped. This is actually the word baptizo. Actually John the Baptist was called John the Dipper. Because the word baptizo is dip. So he was the dipper. That's what they called him. John the dipper. So you know what? We don't want just a little sup. We want to be dipped. I don't want to do well. The Lord Jesus died for my sin. Lord, I want forgiveness. I want more than forgiveness. I want to be forgiven so I can be dipped. Glory to God. 
Notice this. A man or woman that's been dipped into the blood of Jesus Christ, it kills all symptoms. Every molecule of sin goes back to the devil and laid on him till the day of judgment or his eternal destination may be thrown into a lake of fire. You've heard me say it before and I'm gonna say it again. I hope I'm on the committee. <laughs> Hallelujah. That throws that sorry rascal down there. Oh my, amen, saints. One of these days, oh, all that he's brought us on, brought on us rather, can you imagine all that lays on him? And what did God do? And Satan said, oh, you'll never do this and you'll never do that. And God dropped your sin and went, and there it went, all of your stuff. And the way God looked at it, it wasn't more than a drop. And it just went, choo. Which way did it go? Which way did it go? What happened? What happened? And there you stand all of a sudden when the color of your sin was eliminated. Immediately, you were transferred from this side of the chasm to this side. And you said, how did I get over here? Productivity of the bleach. The coloring of sin left your nature. Bleached you out. Glory be to God. Now I wish I was in the woods somewhere by myself and I could really act the way I'm feeling right now. Oh, hallelujah to God. And when it happened, what did he do? Something inside of you changed. And what, what psychology could not do. And signing up a membership to a church could not do. And I promise I will not drink no more. I promise I will not do this. I promise I will not smoke Winston. I promise, oh, get rid of all that bunch of trash. It ain't what you promise you will and will not do. All you gotta do is drop down on the bleach. If you get dipped in the bleach, you'll come up white as snow. where his eternal destination will be thrown into a lake of fire and the chasm is bridged and never to come into remembrance no more and a man stands justified as a son of God and then he crowns this quote with this powerful word simplicity <laughs> you know what I love about this Brother Brandon picks this sermon and this title when he's going to open up the seals no doubt he didn't even know Brother Jim himself because you can tell as it goes on in the seals he said remember how this all started God in simplicity God in simplicity remember how this all pointed up to this spot God in simplicity so what was God doing? A phenomenal something. The prophet didn't even know it himself. Watch this. Our sins are traced back to their beginning. Listen to this in communion. Life in the book here in the spot that we was talking about, the two books being one, the book of life, the first book of life coming up is when you were born. That was your natural birth. But then one time way back down in there, there was a little grain of life. As I was explaining to some of the young sisters at the house this afternoon, there was a little grain of life laying there that you wonder, where did it come from? 
what are what these strange things? And I was saying, taking from myself. Like he was going to say, William Branham. Well, 40 years ago, the William Branham isn't the same one tonight. If somebody back there would say, William Branham, he was a rank rascal. Because I was born of Charles and Ella Branham. In their nature, I was a sinner. I come to the world a liar. And all the habits of the world laid right in me. Who are we going to tell this to? But down in there too was another nature. Uh-oh. Another nature present. See? Predestinated. Was in there by God in this same body, see? Two natures. Well, I only catered to one as I grew. I grew as a baby. Dad died. First thing you know, I become a liar. Now he's not only defining William Branham, he's defining Donnie Reagan, John Horn, Yang, all the rest of you good people sitting here. First thing you know, I become a liar, become everything that's a sinner because I was raised up that way. But down in there was a little speck of life all the time. Now this is quite a long thing, so I'll skip a little bit over here to paragraph 48. He's talking about hunting. He went out hunting. And he said, laying there that have poles in the water, hunting and fishing. My old coon dog laying there, and I said, look here. You know, last winter, I camped right here one night. I built a fire, and I was waiting for my old dog here to tree. And I had a fire here. It froze five inches deep in the ground. But little flower, where did you come from? Praise God. See, well, where did you come from? Who who come out here and planted you? What hot house did they bring you out of? Or what about it? Where did you come from? See, that little flower, I'd say, why it was frozen, everything, I built a fire right on top of it. And besides the freezing element, that was the heat element, and laying here a big old log where I burned you, and yet here you are. Oh, glory to God. And you're alive. Where did you come from? Where did you come from? What was it? There was another William Branham. Now here was him as a young boy hunting. And he would be out there in the winter time and waiting for his dog to tree a, a coon. Had a fire built. And the frost and the freeze had froze down five inches deep. And he remembers, I was here in the winter hunting, and look, there's a flower. And it was froze, and then I built this fire right on top of it. And he looked at it and wondered as a boy. What was it? Another William Branham? I'm sure many of you can fellowship with him on this thought. That there's always been something inside of you that hungered for the living God. There's been a crave. Oh, you, I, I wasn't brought up in church. You don't have to be. 
I know lots and lots of folks that never was in a church during their life, but they still had a hunger deep down inside of them that began to pull them. It was not because their mama. You know how that is. You could have sat in a message church every day of your life and your soul be as darkened as it could be. You still need a resurrection even though you're in a message church. Oh my, there was another William Branham. See, a little spot, a little spot of eternal life down there from the genes of God. Somebody hold my mules while I run. (laughs) From the genes of God the word of God that was placed in there each one of you can think of similar things see it was working it wasn't in control but it was working then look up to the trees and I think leaf I've seen you fall off last year why are you back there again Where did you come from? What brought you here? It was that eternal life working in the body. Praise be to God. It was that eternal life working. Now, then one day I I walked on that voice talking, don't ever smoke and drink and so forth. And the young fellows, as I got older, see, there was something moving. But yet all at once I looked up. Thank you, Lord. And I said, I'm not the son of Charles. I'm Ella Branham. There's something calling. Glory be to God. Something keeps holding me. Something keeps holding you. Something beyond ourselves. Something greater than us. But notice he had to acknowledge. I am not the son of Charles and Alabama. No disrespect to my, my deceased mother and father. I am more than the son of Don and Betty Reagan. Something is calling us. You see, by shedding of his blood, this miracle was made possible that he could share with us. Colossians 1.19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled ye that were sometime alienated look at this word to be shut out from one's fellowship and intimacy you were shut out of the fellowship and the intimacy. Can't you see the difference between the bride and the church? The church doesn't want this intimacy with Christ. They don't want to, they want a savior that will save them and they don't want to be lost in the end, but they want to keep on living the way they want to live. But the bride wants more than a savior. 
She wants a lover. She wants a king. She wants to bear his children. She wants to talk with him, sing with him, fellowship with him. She wants intimacy. Hallelujah. Wow, could she want such? Why today? Why do we want that? When many of your family don't want it? Some of your parents don't even want it. Some of your children may not want it. Why do you want it? Because a spot of intimacy was placed in you. In your gene. Hallelujah. I always get amazed whenever I watch National Geographic or nature videos. And you see most of these people today, every time you see one about a baboon or a monkey or whatever, you know, they say, our ancestors. And I'm thinking, that might be your uncle, but he ain't mine. <laughs> Not in my DNA. And you think, are you kidding me? And you want to say that we're crazy because we want to identify ourselves with the living God and your cousin to a baboon? And then I'm thinking, well, maybe they are. I don't know. You know, maybe they, maybe they fell out of that tree. And they want to say we're nuts. They want to say, oh, stupid to, to, to need some type of superior being. I think you're in your right mind to recognize a superior being. But why is it that man would want to identify himself with a gorilla or a chimpanzee or a baboon and turn down the super intelligence of an almighty God and laugh at us because we want to be a part of his intimacy. And they would rather be the third cousin of some monkey. <laughs> Sorry, I don't do that just in front of you all. <laughs> Hallelujah. I wasn't born to swing on a tree. I was not born to be the cousin of a gibbon. I was born to be a son of God. And a fellowship. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies, which is hated, enemies hated odious, hateful enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now how's he reconciled? Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you as a cousin to a chimpanzee. That's what science wants to present you with. My DNA comes from Adam, not from the gorilla that Adam named. And these poor ignoramus scientists, they ain't no monkey either. But the monkey's got more sense than they have. If the Almighty walked in the garden, that day, the gorilla would have bowed down before him and worshipped. 
A scientist standing there in the garden said, let me scientifically prove you're here. This might be an hallucination. This might be a figment of my imagination when the monkey would have bowed down and the chimpanzee would have bowed down and worshiped God. I wonder when they swing through the trees and holler and do this and that, I wonder. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise you the Lord. I wonder when the big silverbacks in the Congo and around when they sit there and they scream and holler and do all they do and the whales and the humpbacks and all that they do in the garden and all that they did back yonder. I wonder to this day if they're still not praising the almighty God when the porpoises are jumping up out of the water and swirling around I wonder if they're not giving praise well I'll tell you one thing if a dumb monkey can praise him and a porpoise can praise him I'm going to lift my voice I'm going to lift my hand I might even dance a little bit hallelujah I'm going to praise my God because I was created thus Can I have just a few more of your time, minutes of your time? In verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Unblameable without rebuke, blameless without blemish, free from faultiness unreprovable that cannot be called into to account now remember we will appear before the throne of our Lord not to be judged but for reward we will never appear before the great white throne judgment but we will appear before our Lord for rewards I love the way Brother Bram says that in the prayer, closing it out there when he says, Now I will go to the reward which he purchased for me, not what I did myself. Can you imagine? He gives us faith to overcome the test of life. He gives us victory to go through things that we think are totally impossible. And then we get on the other side and he calls us up before his throne and says, you went through this, and you went through this, and you stood for me, and you did this, and you did that, and you did that, and here is your reward. And you're thinking, really? You're the one who gave me the strength to do it. I couldn't even have done it. And you're going to reward me for what you gave me strength to do? But can't you see what a husband he is? He's not a self-centered man. He's not a self-centered husband. He's gained glory and honor and riches and divine treasure. And he configured no better place to give them than to share them with his wife. Lord God. Ephesians 1.4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame, same word, without rebuke, blameless, without blemish, free from faultiness, unblameable, without blame before him in love. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself forth, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water with the word, that he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Look at the word glorious. 
gorgeously honorable, held in good or great esteem, illustrious, splendid. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, a fault, or moral blemish, or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without rebuke, blameless, free from faultiness, unblameable. Let's stand. Book of Jude, only one chapter, verse 24. Verse 24 of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. This is the reason, friends, the saints of God don't fall. Well, I do this and nothing. Nope. He's the one. We do our part, sure. We read, we pray, we, we do all those things we're supposed to do. But here's the main reason we don't fall. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. The apostles absolutely loved this Greek word, anomos, without rebuke, blameless, free from faultiness, unblameable. There must have been some saints in that day, as it was in every day, that were still fighting this mind battle of their past. That he may present you faultless, before the presence, listen to this, the presence of His glory. Father. And the word presence is KTP on, which is in sight of, or in one sight. You'll not be accepted just in the eyes of your husband. And we use the term, well, love is blind. Which in other words, that means that people can say and do what's wrong and we just turn our head. No, that's not the way God is. God is not just letting you get by with anything and everything you want to do. Well, I'll just act like they do. I'll just act like. That's not the way it is at all. He has eradicated the very cause of it from your nature. Thank you, Lord. And you're on this side of the chasm in your soul. And the very pigmentation in your nature that made you love sin has been bleached, plumbed back to eternity. Hebrews 13, 20, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect, in every good work to do His will. Working in you that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So who's doing it? It's Him working through you, that which is well-pleasing. This is why you're undefeatable. Don't you understand? The bride cannot be defeated in this hour no more than Almighty God can be defeated. Look, friends, we may have less numbers around the message once COVID's done. 
We may have less numbers in our church. You don't know what people's going to do in this day and hour we're living. People's gone insane. Message people have. They're nuts. But the real bride will be stronger than she's ever been. She will never be defeated because she is part of his immutable counsel. And it's him working in us. I think it's absolutely marvelous. Here we are in one of the most trying times that most of us have ever been in our life. And the Word of God is coming. It is, it, it, it's unbelievable the way the Word of God is coming. It's like God is saying, come on, children. Come on, children. Don't look at COVID. Don't look at this. Come on, children. Come on. I'm going along with him, ain't you? Praise God. Notice this. I'm almost close here enough. Hebrews 13, 21. Make you perfect. Now this word, even though it sounds like the same English word, it's actually a different word. It means to mend what has been broken or rent. To repair. Make one what he ought to be. In reality, what you ought to be is what you want to be anyway. Isn't it? What I ought to be is really what I want to be. But it wasn't what I wanted to be till I got saved and then my oughts and my wants got straightened out. And he's going to make me what I ought to be, which is what I want to be all along, which means I've received part of his divine purpose in my soul that I wasn't born with because I didn't care. I didn't care. I had no desire to serve God. We men, hey, wasn't raised in, in a godly home. We wasn't raised in a family that went to church. We was mean little redneck Kentucky boys. We'd get beside the road at night and lay in the ditch and take gravels and throw them at people's cars as they went by. And take bottles and hit them. Would you like to come now to the microphone and share what you've done? But one day, something moved on my heart. Hallelujah. And I went to my mama and said, Mama, how do you get saved? What was it? It was that little speck. Thank you, Lord God. Down inside, that little old mean boy. And I walked out to the little local place there called Happy Top. Had a store and a gas pump out in front, Happy Top. We went along down through there and we picked up pop bottles and broke them all the way out there and back, all over the road. We was meaner than snakes. Well, there's a constable lived not too far out from us, so he saw what me and Harry was doing, so on our way back in, he was waiting for us in the driveway. He said, now boys, I seen what you all done. Of course, we knew who he was, and our, our grandmother, mom, we called her, scared the liver out of us about him anyway. Boys, you better not do nothing. He'll pick you to jail. I mean, I just knew right then we're fixing to be put in a slammer. I'm going to get parole, prison. I mean, you don't know what in the world is fixing to happen. You boys, you go back there. If you picked him up, I won't tell you mom and daddy. I don't know if mom and daddy ever even knew that or not. I mean, hey, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Boy, we got straight and legal. I mean, real quick. But there's something else down in there. Donnie, I didn't know who you are. 
happened to you. You're called to walk with me. Oh, I'm so glad I heard it. Aren't you glad? You can look back on your life where you were and what he brought you from. It was a spot of eternal life. Dear Jesus, thank you. I could spend eternity praising you and thanking you for delivering me from a life of mortality. I see what many of my cousins have become, my family, on both sides, and them drunk herself to death. Many of them, Lord God, never no desire to serve you, no desire to live for you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for pulling on my heart. I'm so glad it was that little spot of eternal life from the genes of God. Father, I pray you would take this today and encourage your children. Strengthen them. Bring healing to them, Lord. As Brother Joel Brown mentioned it earlier, Lord, in his prayer, you showed us, reiterated to us again last night, if you were here, Lord, there's not one thing more you could do to bring healing. If you was right here in this building today, you could not walk up to Brother Louie and say, Brother Louie, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to go be striped for your healing. You've already done it. But Lord, you might do something that would help Brother Louie's faith. You might do something that would help these other individuals' faith. Lord God, well, I'm not a prophet and I certainly don't have the gift of discernment. We're not looking for that promise. But would you prove yourself among us to be alive, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. Insomuch that you'd heal the sick and minister love and whatever we have need of today, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Then when it's all said and done, Lord, one day we'll come up to your house and you'll say, Welcome home, children. I've had this built for you for all these years. I've prepared it just to your liking. You're going to love the streets, the gates, the trees, the water. You'll never have to leave. There's no rent, no utilities, no taxes. It's all yours, children. Welcome home. I want to be there so bad. Lord Jesus. May there not be a one of us missing that day, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. There's a day just out in front of us. I know we'll surely come When the eastern sky will open wide Revealing God's dear Son And I know from here to heaven Is but a twinkling of an eye And in the midst of all His glory We'll 
hear the sweetest cry Welcome home I knew you'd come Welcome home You're here for good Look around Was it worth the wait? Welcome home Step through the game I believe at least for me I'll see my mom and dad my brothers and my sisters everywhere you look our friends all oh, the greetings will be precious from those we love so dear no mortal man has ever heard the likes of when he hears welcome home i knew you'd come welcome home child you're here for good just look through the gate Oh, I believe He's coming soon It may be night or noon In the twinkling of an eye We'll be caught up in the sky Welcome home I knew you'd come Welcome home, child, you're here for good. Oh, look around, was it worth the wait? Oh, welcome home, step through the gate. I believe in this for me. I'll see my mom and dad, my brothers and my sisters, everywhere you look our friends. Welcome home, I knew you'd come. Welcome home, you're here for out in front of us I know we'll surely come when the eastern sky will open wide revealing God's dear Son and I know from here to heaven is but a twinkling of an eye and in the midst of all His glory 
will hear the sweetest cry. Welcome home, I knew you'd come. Welcome home, child, you're here for good. Oh, look around, was it worth Try that second verse, brothers. I believe at least for me. I see my mom and dad, my brothers and my sisters everywhere you look, of friends. All oh, the greetings will be precious from those we love so dear. No mortal man has ever heard the likes of when he hears. Welcome home. I knew you'd come. Predestinated. Welcome home. You're here for good. Oh, just look around. Was he worth Welcome home, John. I knew you'd come. Welcome home, you're here for good. eternity. Look around, was it worth the to have her sense of taste and smell to return. It's been over 40 days. And we please we serve a mighty God. Yes. If he could step to the grave of a man who had been laying there dead for four days, he had not just lost the sense of smell, he lost his nose. His nose had fell in. Corruption was in his body. But corruption knew the voice of its master. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you see the request on our sister's heart today. Father God, you see what this COVID has done to her body. And they've come through the more difficult parts, I guess I'd say, the temperature and all that sort of thing. But still, Lord, it's left these lingering symptoms. 
But we say to these symptoms today, you are a liar. We look to the promise of Almighty God. Lord, when you made man, you gave him the ability to smell. What a wonderful sense that is. And the ability to taste. And Lord, I'm sure that those of us who aren't afflicted with that today don't appreciate it like our sister will when she gets hers back. And she will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lay our hands on her in obedience to your word. I join my faith with her and our sister and with the saints of God. May this return to normal. Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we accept, believe, and confess. By your stripes, she is already healed. Granted, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Sarah, take this with you. When it returns, you take this same piece of paper and return a praise report on the same piece of paper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, we do, Lord. Oh, Thank yes. You, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Yes, you are. You are awesome in this place, my Father. Oh, you're worthy of all praise. Oh, yes. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Oh, let's sing it now.
Lord. Pass the gates of praise into your sanctuary till we're standing face to face. I look upon your countenance, I see the fullness of your grace. I can only bow down and say, You are awesome. Give me continue to play that brothers if you will play that song remember service here Wednesday night the Lord willing it's been an incredible incredible service today you appreciate the word of the Lord do you really appreciate the word of the Lord amen amen let's just continue to sing and play that little song because it has truly been awesome to have been here today amen you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. 